This is the Small Town Youth Ministry Podcast, Episode 14, The Problem with Hype. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Kyle Creel, and today I have the pleasure of having several returning guests helping me, but we'll get to that in just a moment. You are listening to what is planned to be the final episode of the Small Town Youth Ministry Podcast. If you've been listening through all of our episodes, you've heard this announced, and know we've always planned on this being a limited series. Today, we finally reached that place, and we wanted to end on a specially appropriate subject. It's the mission of this podcast to encourage and equip rural and small church youth workers by talking about issues as you experience them. As stated before, we know there are several great youth ministry podcasts and resources out there that wish to give us ideas and direction for our ministries, but sometimes, as one friend of mine has put it, things just don't translate well. A huge way this happens is we see the latest giant-sized outreach event or midweek programs that ministries are putting on to create buzz in their community, and there's nothing inherently sinful or wrong with their ideas. But many of you, like I have, have seen those things and hold this astonished sentiment in response of, we can't do that. You see these things and say, well, we only have two volunteers. There's no way to plan something of that magnitude. Or we live an hour away from a major city. We can't get Chick-fil-A to cater an event. Or even, we just don't have the budget to be able to rent foam spring machines. And if we're not careful, we can get into a panic. And even only if momentarily, our response can end up being, well, how do I live up to that? I need to create my own hype somehow. Now, I've got to say, I think we're blessed because after we return back to reality of our little towns and churches from whatever big conference or major event that you were at and saw this idea implemented, we can quickly see that we aren't competing with anyone directly in our community that have these kinds of things. Actually, for many of you, uh, you might be blessed. You're not even competing with another ministry in town at all. But then because of that, another battle can arise. See, we want to make our ministry look alive and attractive to these kids and these little dry towns that we may live in where nobody's been thinking about taking advantage of youth culture for the sakes of marketing. And so we start our own plotting. We get t-shirts. We make social media profiles. And we get catchy youth group names. Now, the idea to leverage these things to the advantage of spreading the gospel, again, not a bad one, but it can easily sway us to the dark side if we become preoccupied with it. I mean, that point of almost becoming guilty of the lament written in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, where he writes, you have abandoned your first love. I know I've been guilty of this. And to help you see where your heart lies, I have a little litmus test for you to consider. For this exercise, take a moment and I want you to grab a pen and paper. If you need to pause this, go 
find what you need to find. Otherwise, I'm giving you a moment here. And uh, it doesn't have to be large. It can be even a scrap piece of paper. It's not something you're going to need to keep forever. I just need you to be able to write down a few letters on it. So if you've got that piece of paper now and a writing utensil, here is your litmus test. Write down the following letters. Here we go. C. O. N. T. E. N. T. I'll read that again to you. C O N T E N T. Now I want you to read it out loud. What word did your brain go to? There are two words you could have read here. I'm going to bet that most likely you thought of the word content. As in being a content creator, even if you don't self-identify with this trendy term, it is something that we often find ourselves being as youth workers. I mean, we make flyers, we make lessons, we even design those youth group logos. Uh, It's something that we do. And if left unchecked, can become something we are more than the other word you could have read, which is content. That word that means being satisfied in your situation. Often, we worry too much about how big our group is, the resources we have access to, or if our kids think we're cool or not. Worry leads to doubt, which in turn leads to dissatisfaction in our work and then ultimately discontentment. And along the path, it's easy to rely on your content to help you bring things to a more desirable place. Now, Paul reminds us in Philippians 4.11, I have learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. I, for one, would like to live like that. For this reason, though, it's important to find balance so that you're always content and not just becoming a content creator. For once aboard the hype train, there's no telling how far it will take you. And so with my first guest today, I want to assess our efforts and ask ourselves, what are we doing with our content? And for this conversation, I've invited back to the podcast one of our greatest contributors, the one and only Mark Davis. You may remember him from several episodes, including episode four, Fighting Ministry Envy, which if you haven't listened to, I would strongly encourage that you go and listen to that first before listening to this as a precursor. So welcome back, Mark. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. Well, I'm always glad to talk to you and have you with my projects. So thanks for taking the time to be a part of this. Um, Mark, we've been talking about this. It's time to share with the folks about content. What can you tell them? Yeah, there's a lot of thoughts that come to my mind when we talk about content. Um, and, And one of them, first of all, is like content is not necessarily our enemy, as you kind of teased a little bit earlier, it can be an effective tool. Um, What your content is aiming at will determine whether it is an enemy to you and your ministry. That's a big key there. There's most certainly this temptation to aim for the hype train and to get on it, whether it's the latest Marvel movie or TikTok trend or video Mm -hmm. game. You know, whatever else you want to throw in there, it, it could be anything. It could even be the, the latest Shaq pizza, right? Um, but when, <laughs> you know, when we do this, though, like our aim shifts from what is in the word to what is in the world. 
Mm-hmm. And, and our questions concerning content becomes, you know, from goes from, well, how can I fit this gospel into a movie or a video game or whatever else, rather than what it ought to be? How do I correctly and clearly speak the word given to us? And yes. and sadly, there's many student ministries across the U.S. that are trying to figure out the answer to the first question rather than the second. They're aiming to fit the gospel into everything else that's going on into the world. And when you aim for the hype, you're aiming at a moving target and a target that quickly fades after a short while. Mm-hmm. Um, not even going to talk about Among Us. I mean, I remember how big it was? And I don't even <laughs> hear kids talk about that now, right? And yeah. It's, it's crazy how that wasn't even like a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and more often than not, you know, the hype some ministers are aiming at, sadly, is aiming right back at you and your students with the intent to set their hearts and minds on the things of this world rather than the work and life of Jesus Christ. Oh. All right, so let's let's get some application here. Let's not talk about Among Us, <laughs> uh, since that's, like I said, it's been dated now. Uh, but yeah. give the listeners an example of this and uh, how we dissect it. Yeah, let's let's bring a more relevant example out. Like, and you know, by the time some of y'all may be listening to this, it might be already past the hype train. But right now, Spider Man is big; it's huge, um, and. Many of us, I'm sure, could make a month or more worth of content solely based on this Marvel icon. There's multiple movies. There's tons of ways you can connect them. And spoiler alert, they even make some youth pastor jokes in the movie, okay? (laughs) It's like they intended on student ministries to be talking about this film, this hero, this character for the next month or so, right? But... Before we do those things, we need to ask ourselves some important questions. Like, what is it that I'm aiming for my students to learn from the Word? What is the content? And another question is, like, what is the content that I'm using? What is it seeking to do in the lives of those I'm teaching and shepherding? Mm. Like, look, I'm a fan of Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man. I like the Marvel movies, but the themes that have been coming from the Marvel Cinematic Universe aren't necessarily gospel-centered, and they're most certainly not aiming at cultivating that life either. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not wanting to soapbox on what their aims are, try to assume those things, but I think us, uh, us in the Christian area of life, we can agree that most, if not all, of the targets that are the hype targets, they don't aim to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and, and that's the heartbreaking truth of a lot of this, right, is that when any ministry, especially student ministries, are riding one hype train to another in the hopes that kids will find the church or the gospel interesting, sadly... Mm-hmm they mostly produce fad-chasing Christians that often miss out on biblical truth in real relationships with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I think, just to interject, I think we're seeing a lot of that. Is a con- There's a connection to all the ex-evangelicals we're seeing now. But uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's not where we're, where we're intending to go. But no, I'm, no, I'm but seeing they, the we're real... Seeing evi- yeah, we're seeing the evidence of it, though. Yeah. In real time. And, 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 you know, I'm not talking, I know 
Kyle's not talking about special events where we're incorporating silly things, even though there's some things we'd like to do, right, and we may not be able to. I'm not talking about those things, right? Uh, what we're talking about is shaping your lesson plans, your Bible studies, your mm-hmm. spiritual development off of the latest trend. Yeah. Um, if you're doing that to your ministry, your ministry is being shaped by the world and not by the Word. Um, in the week-to-week grind, our aim ought to be making sure that our content is biblical, intentional, and fruitful. Yes. Um, and, and if I'm you know, honest, cultural relevance is the very last thing on my mind. It's the last thing I try to apply. If, if I miss the cultural relevance, I'm okay with that. I want <laughs> my students to hear the word um, and hear it clearly. Because our commission hasn't been called, or we haven't been called to chase the world's passions. We're called to chase after Christ and His kingdom, to make His world, His word known among the world, and that will often lead you outside of what is hype or culturally acceptable. Amen. Exactly. Well, well put, Mark. Uh, before you go, though, I believe you had a few books to suggest to the readers. Yeah, um, I, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast that I was on, but I want to mention it again. Um, Giving Up Gimmicks by Brian H. Cosby, one one of the most influential books, I would say, to my student ministry. Um, I haven't told him that yet, but it, it's it's a great <laughs> book. talks about the hype, um, and, and we just need to give up on uh, chasing after it. Another couple books I'd mention is Student Ministry That Matters by Ben Trueblood. And then there's a series of books by Andrew Root from Youth Specialties. Uh, the series of books is called A Theological Journey Through Youth Ministry. I'd recommend all those um, concerning these topics. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, now I get to welcome back my friend Andy Millis joining us today. You might remember Andy from our episode about living on a small budget. Well, Andy's back to talk to us today a little bit about hype and youth ministry. So, Andy, what can you tell the listeners as far as your experience? Uh, my experience is I'm terrible at being a hype man. Uh, I am <laughs> I am not naturally uh, energetic. I'm I'm the straight man all the way. So, if I try to be the hype man and hype things up really big. It falls flat because my students can tell I'm forcing it. It's not natural for me. Uh, And so for me, when we fall into that temptation to hype everything up is a really big deal. It it becomes a situation where nothing seems like a big deal anymore because it all gets that attention. And, you know, I'm going to show my, uh, you know, father of five tendencies here right now and, and give you a Disney movie quote to relate to, but Uh, It's like Syndrome said in The Incredibles, if everyone's super, then no one is. You know, it's the same principle. If everything is a big deal, nothing's a big deal. Yes, absolutely. And I got to say, I love the superhero reference. But uh, when you stop and think about it, that's really thought provoking stuff. Kind of like takes us outside of the moment. And we're just like, oh, I'm looking at this from like a meta perspective. and, And that's really mind-blowing so let's pursue that some more what can you see are the consequences of this false specialness as as you're putting it yeah i i think at that point you run into the issue of expectations 
if I have hyped up an event to be the, this really awesome thing, this huge deal, and then it falls flat, and, and I mean, let's be honest, that happens sometimes. That's ministry. You can have this great vision, and then just nothing turns out the way you expect, and it falls flat. If if this becomes a pattern of something where I hype something up and then it, it just falls flat, well, then my students aren't going to get excited about the next big thing that I try to hype up. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I try to really be matter of fact, hey, here's what we're going to do. And the best part about it is we're going to be doing this together. Like it, it's this fun thing, yeah. but what's fun is it's, it's us as a group, as a bunch of friends, as a ministry doing this together. Uh, and so we're not getting anything out of whack about what the event is. It's more about who's going to be there, those relationships. And, and then I try to limit my hype yeah. to the things that I know I can deliver on. Yes, that, that is a key principle, I think, right there. There's a danger of relying on this hype if we can't deliver on it. And that's going to happen. I've seen it happen. People can only really keep the big upfront personality going so long before they burn out. Yes. Then many fall out with them. Um, and what eventually happens is for anybody, I think, uh, a great potential to make skeptical youth and which in turn erodes their investment in your program or ministry. Yeah. Cause that this, skepticism, it goes into everything. Like it's not just mm-hmm. about the events. It becomes, well, if they can't deliver on the events, can they deliver on the teaching? Mm-hmm. Or even just that you're some kind of personality or something. Eventually, they'll find something that it's falling flat and uh, they may become disinterested. Mm -hmm. So with such a potentially volatile outcome, we need to be careful not to become dependent on hype because it will eventually become that tool that betrays us. Our focus instead needs to be on a better foundation. It reminds me of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 10 through 15 where I got this idea. He says, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and another will build on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it for no one can lay any other foundation than what's already been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, or he goes on to list some, maybe some cheaper elements, wood, hay, straw. Well, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. If anyone's work that has been built survives, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss. And when I read those words, I think about this exact thing that Andy brought up about hype and how you're going to be kind of discovered. You see, though Paul talks a lot in Corinthians about those who are trying to be impressive preachers, I think this advice extends to other aspects of our ministries today as well. If we try to put too much on anything but Jesus, we will not only lose it, but in front of many people, which in turn adds insult to injury. 
So when we have these programs, we're up front and we're trying to be like the best part of your week. And that gets some kids' attention for a while. Eventually, we're just not going to continue to have that steam. And it's going to kind of fall through. And then how ironic is it when the best part of your week ends up kind of being like that hump day meh, part of your <laughs> week. It's, it's embarrassing. And we could lose a lot of the people that we are trying to reach the gospel with. And so it will be exposed so that's my thoughts. What, what else, Andy? You know, really just to, to sum it all up, I, th- I think, you know, what we've come to here is it, it boils down to being authentic. If we're trying to deliver the hype, uh, we become inauthentic really quick. So just be yourself. Know where you fit in. Know what your role is. Know what you are trying to build and do what God's called you to do. And I believe that is perfect segue into the next bit of advice our friend Scott has for us. So we're going to cut right over that. Thanks for joining us again today, Andy. Hey, thanks for having me, Kyle. So now I get to welcome back our friend Scott McAllister, who helped me host episode three, Challenges in Discipling Impoverished Students, and also let us share part of his personal story in episode eight, Dealing with Small Town Issues. Scott, it is great to have you back. Yeah, it's it's good to be back. Uh, it's been an awesome journey to listen to these these episodes as they come out, and just to be uh, part of this community. Um, it's just been a really really cool project, uh, and, and I'm glad it's something that that you and and your your other hosts decided to to do. Well, speaking of projects, I'll just give you a quick shout out. You're actually now started your own podcast with another about being young newbies to youth ministry, right? Yeah, and so we, me and a friend of mine uh, named Jake Valdez, we started a uh, young youth pastor podcast. Uh, I don't think we'll ever be super successful, uh, but that's <laughs> not the point. We really just started it because I started ministry in the middle of COVID, and I came out of school and started ministry, and I felt so very alone and just I, I was panicking and I didn't know what to do. And luckily I found this podcast and, and Kyle, I've, I've been able to talk to you and you definitely give me some, some tips and tricks, but really our podcast just revolves around like what it's like to come out straight out of college into ministry. Uh, Cause we found that a lot of the podcasts, while they're great, wonderful resources, it's these guys that have been doing it for 20, 40 years. Uh, and they just, I don't know, it's just something about it. They've lost kind of that, that side of like what it's like to go in and not know what's going on. And so we just came to, to share a little bit uh in in that podcast to share a little bit about just our experiences and and hopefully to lift other people up and to create community and that's really what it means for us is to create that community and if you're a a young youth pastor and you're trying to do it alone please don't even if you don't listen to the podcast please go find community uh somewhere and, and and that's just the whole the whole point of it for us cool cool so yeah if you want to Join Scott in his journey into the unknown as, as a newbie to youth ministry. Go check that out. We'll share that later. But for those who've been listening, just to bring you up to speed, uh, Scott, our listeners just got done hearing a conversation I had with our friend Andy about the harms of hype and how students can become disenchanted with your youth ministry upon you relying it, you relying on it, and not being able to really deliver it. And I know you've had some experience with this actually as a youth. So why don't you start off sharing about that? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I'm only 25 and I mean, it seems like it's been a long, long time since I've been out of youth, like as a youth, but I mean, really it's only been, that's only like what, uh, seven years. And so growing up, I, I mean, if you listen to my testimony, you know, that I went to church when I was growing up and, and a lot of times I would avoid it because we get into these hype modes of like these events and they're hyping it up, hyping it up, hyping it up. And it just like, they were, I remember them being fun events. I remember having fun, but that, that hype event type of ministry made me hated church. Cause it seemed like it was the same as everything else. Uh, mm. to be like stereotypical, it seemed like it was those, you know, like those high school parties you look at in Hollywood where it's so crazy. And then you go to like a high school party and you're like, this is lame. Uh, and so as a student, I had all these questions, like in my testimony, I talked about it of like, Hey, I don't feel like God loves me. And they're like, well, here, eat as much pizza as possible. And let's go do this D now. Uh, and so it was just, for me, I was like, I recognized that the church was just cashing in on the hype of whatever was, was coming through at the time. Like, uh, the Avengers had just started like the, the phase one had just started and they were still like, you know, people were cashing in on doing that and, and different things. And so it just, it just really hurt, uh, I think my theology and just hurt of like, as a student, um, I wasn't getting fed. And, and I know now as a youth pastor on the other side, like I probably wasn't doing as much as I needed to do as a student to feed myself. Uh, but I don't think us chasing the hype, uh, helps at all. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the kids are very aware of it. I don't remember what book it was in, but I'm pretty sure Doug Fields had once written that kids can smell fakeness from a mile away. And uh, also our fear, very much. They know when you're dying on stage. (laughs) (laughs) It's worse worse when you're like dying on stage and like you're looking at them and they're looking at you and like you're like, they know that I know that they know that I'm like flopping here. Uh, (laughs) And so it just makes it worse. Yes. Yes, but that was just your own experience seeing that. And now you've also got feelings about it as the youth pastor. Correct? Yeah, and yeah, and and for me as a youth pastor, I really don't chase the hype of popular things, but I really struggle with how to make my ministry attractive. Mm-hmm. Because I I don't cash in like, you know, Spider-Man uh what is it? No Way Home is like a big thing right now. Mm-hmm. And, and there are like in those groups, you'll see uh, on, on social media of people like, how can we cash in on this? And to me, it's just or um, like Squid Game. People were cashing in on Squid Game. And I'm like, why are we bringing <laughs> that into church? Like it really, it, it upset me. And I, I didn't say anything online uh, because I, I think it's a, that's not really a place to discuss those things because nothing good happens, you know, in those kind of online <laughs> discussions. But I, and I see the churches around me, and they have the hype and the numbers, and sometimes it, it does. It makes me feel like inadequate as a youth pastor because I'm not chasing this hype. I feel like I'm just not good mm-hmm. enough. I'm not cool enough. I'm not doing enough that I, as a youth mm-hmm. pastor, I'm just kind of like, what am I doing? And I know that sounds dumb, but that is that's how I feel sometimes, not chasing that hype. No, absolutely. The feelings are very real, and I relate with you right there. So the question is, how did you face that feeling? I think I'm still facing it. I don't think it's gone away because uh, I'm still, I'm a young youth pastor, but in those moments uh, I lean on what my mentors have told me and, and they have told me to, to keep a pile of, of, of notes and letters of people saying that they, they enjoy me. They enjoy what I do. I think back to when my kids have told me that they love our church and they love how I teach for me, I, I try to do a year end like 
look back. Uh, we'll do like the last Wednesday of the year. I'll be like, Hey, like, what did you like? What did you not like? And in that moment, it was really nice because my kids were like, I just like what you do. And I like what you teach. And, and that wasn't me like mm-hmm. asking like, Oh, what do you like about me? Um, but they said like, we like what you do. And so that was very uplifting, but I feel like even if you refuse the high train that is still calling to you and maybe even mocking you. And for me, I have a really good relationship with my senior pastor and I, I tell him these concerns and he tells me to look at scripture and, and he's, he sent me to scripture like Romans 12, one through five or Luke 16, 10 or Matthew six thirty three, And he reminds me that you can be a small town pastor of two to 15 kids. And that's enough. Like you don't have to be, more than that. You don't have to have this huge group with this huge budget that God has called you to this spot that you are and to be faithful uh, and help those that are appointed to you grow in Christ because they need you, even if it's only two kids. Yeah. And, and sometimes I get so caught up in that hype of, of wanting to be that celebrity pastor, wanting to be that cool guy, wanting to be the thing that everybody like, you know, I walk into Walmart and everybody knows me because I'm the cool youth pastor that I forget that like, Hey, like even these kids, uh, cause my group, I mean, I have a decent sized group, but even they, they need Jesus just as much as everybody else. And, and like, honestly, I think to myself, like, how dare I, uh, make, make them seem lesser because it's not this, this hype thing, you know? And, and I feel that makes me feel terrible. Um, but, but it really, it comes back to just leaning on, on the notes and the encouragement, leaning on my, my leadership, uh, cause I am blessed. I have good leadership and just leaning on scripture and remembering like, Hey, this is what you're supposed to do. It's not all about the hype. Uh, it's about being faithful and serving. Yeah. Well, I gotta say, it's certainly encouraging that you have your pastor, your leadership, even, you know, like words from your kids, uh, very lucky enough to have those and that kind of support, uh, to, to keep you on the straight and narrow. But uh, from a different perspective, other than just how we feel about our performance, when we actually try to tackle the issue, uh, some people ask, can ministry even be successful without hype? And uh, they try to bring up some various theological examples, which we'll get to here in a minute. But I mean, what's your initial reaction to that question, Scott? Can a ministry be successful without hype? You know, I don't know if ministry can really be successful without the hype. Like, I'm honestly only two years into my career. And so for me, I haven't been, I feel like I haven't been successful or unsuccessful. Uh, Mm -hmm. I feel like in a two years time, like I'm just, especially with the first year being COVID, I feel like I'm just getting started in everything that I've been doing. Um, And so I wish I could talk to Jesus one-on-one about hype and how he dealt with hype. Uh, Cause I feel like Jesus had all that hype around him. I mean, he, he, he just, his presence in a town would just, you know, make people ecstatic. And it seemed when you mm. read scripture that Jesus was, was a chill guy and he was focused. Yes. He was never, never self-serving or concerned for self-image. And, and maybe that's a big part of it. And I'm not sure, mm. um, you know, I, I wasn't there, but uh, I just try to do as Paul says, that if I imitate him as he imitates Christ, that everything else will work out. And that's exactly the point we want to talk about, because some people say, look at the ministry of Jesus. I mean, like he had miracles and all this stuff going on. Of course, the excitement around him. And they can use that as an excuse for let's buy into hype. Let's cash out. Now, certainly Jesus had miracles. And I'll even say ones that we'll never be able to live up to ourselves. And somebody may point into those and beg the point that, hey, that's pretty hype. 
Uh, though it's my feeling, and I hope that if you guys take a moment to ponder and think about this, maybe you would agree that even those miracles, if you look at them in the context of like all of them in the Gospels, it seems as there's far more of them that happen in private events rather than in front of crowds. Yeah. And there uh, yeah. also many times he refused to do them for the crowds. And many times when he had crowds, he was purposefully deflating the situation, in my opinion, by teaching hard things so he could watch the crowd leave. And I think the case can be very well made that that's how Jesus fought hype. And instead, he was primarily focused on authentic moments to build his ministry. I mean, yeah. of course, we're, you know, um, there's the, the people who are very close to him, you know, like uh, we talk about Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and we talk about the 12, even, you know, his uh, inner circle of three. Uh, but when you even go to those people that aren't like what I just listed, uh, the miracles that he performed, the most profound component of many of them is how he touched individuals. Like think about the interaction that he had with the leopard that he insisted on touching or interacting with that woman who hadn't stopped bleeding, recognizing her. I think the personal part was so critical to the miracle and that that was what he was about, was authentic moments rather than hype. Would you agree, Scott? I think so. I mean, because if you look at it, if you study early church history, you see Jesus disciples, uh, Peter, and, and maybe kind of you would say Jesus disciples, Paul. And then we look down the line and you see these early church fathers in that uh, uh, apostolic, oh, I can't say the word, apostolic age. Um, and, and they're still going. I mean, like like Polycarp was a guy that, that was a martyr and, and they said, hey, we're going to burn you alive. And Polycarp was like, hey, give me the torch. Um, and, and you see... Um, Paul beheaded, you see Peter crucified, uh, Ignatius, you see him going in like, nobody talks about Squid Game anymore. And that was only what, like four or five months ago? But you've got these guys that are, are you know, two or three generations down from Jesus, and they're still living, they're like on fire for this man. And, and now even today, you find people, I mean, like, I know we have, we have different opinions um, not you and I, but just different people like Billy Graham. That, that, that's a man on fire for Jesus. And so I think, yeah, that authentic um, experience will do more than riding that hype train. Yeah, it's definitely going to prolong your ministry. You're not going to be a flash in the pan. Uh, but with our individual experiences and wanting to be authentic, I want to propose this idea that as we're battling against the culture war, and we know we don't want to rely on hype. The answer is not to fight hype with hype or fire with fire. Instead, what if we fight fire with water? Something that is refreshing in the heat of the desert. Something that even if it comes in the most boring bottle and doesn't have flavor additives, it still serves to fulfill a basic human need. And I think that water is authentic relationships. Yeah. Kids are dying for authentic and when we can do that, I mean, anybody, you do not have to be the most compelling individual in the room to provide that. No. Anybody can do that. And we just choose to spend our week racking our brain on how to sell an experience. Well, that's really a dumb waste of time, isn't it? No, I think you're 100% right. I think if there's anything I've learned 
um, in my in my short time in ministry, it's that uh, the kids don't remember the lessons. I mean, they remember a few things here and there, but they remember those times that I've spent with them uh, when I get to take them out one-on-one or, or at camp, mm-hmm. when I, I have that extended time with them face-to-face, they remember those moments so much more than the lessons that I teach. And so, no, I 100% agree with you that instead of fighting culture war with a culture war, um, to fight a culture war with scripture. Exactly. So listeners, let's not fight fire with fire. Let's fight fire with water. Authenticity. Thanks, Scott, for coming back on the show. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. I hope to, hope to talk to you soon. So there, in just three short conversations, I think we've identified some pretty good thoughts about hype and youth ministry. First, when creating your content, it's important to ask yourself if it's culturally based or biblically based. Are you leaning on the world or on the word? Second, if you're repeatedly relying on hype to carry your ministry, you should expect disappointment. And in turn, skeptical youth who will find themselves not wanting to be as deeply invested in your ministry. Which leads to three. We shouldn't be fighting fire with fire, but fire with water. To fight hype, we need authenticity. Now, speaking of authenticity, we're about to have our most authentic moment in the history of this podcast. Our final contributor is the one who helped me get this project off the ground, and it was somebody I greatly respect. In this episode, he brings a special word to you, not as an interview or a discussion, but through his own personal story. His transparency here is beautiful, and his words extremely edifying. And it's not only my honor to introduce him, but also a blessing to get to listen to him share. Here's Jim Pirtle. I've always needed people's approval. I've always wanted to be known and to have people I admire give me approval and affirmation. I tried to be a Christian rock star for a few years, and I always told myself it was for God, but I thought constantly about being famous and being known. In youth ministry, I also wanted to be known, be respected, to have people I admire giving me validation. I wanted to be asked to speak at camps and conventions. I wanted my writing to be published. I wanted to get accolades from my peers. A few years ago, I was in a time of particular frustration in our youth ministry. The group of students I had at the time was just about the most frustrating group I've had. I was well over a decade into my ministry career, and I felt like I was having to learn all over again how to be a youth pastor. I thought about changing careers, moving, doing something else. But in prayer and in talking with a counselor, I started realizing how my need for people's approval and my need to be impressive was a cancer that was hurting my ministry and really poisoning my soul. God was so patient and faithful with me and gave me several clear indicators that I was called to stay where I was and just be faithful to my calling, to my students, and to his kingdom. I started asking him to just make me faithful and selfless. It was my New Year's resolution several years in a row. Be selfless. Not a good resolution, right? Resolutions need to be measurable and, yeah, 
But that was my New Year's resolution. But God was teaching me to serve the students he had given me, whether or not they seemed to be getting it. He was teaching me to help other youth workers, whether or not they thanked me or gave me affirmation. He was teaching me to give it my best for him, not for the sake of looking good or getting people's approval. And it was when I had spent a year or two in that difficult school of unselfish faithfulness that I started being asked to lead things, to speak for events and camps, and to serve in ways that were bigger than just my local church. The temptation was strong then to focus on those invitations to more outwardly impressive ministry. God kept me humble, and sometimes in ways that I did not enjoy. And I stayed in the school of unselfish faithfulness, trying not to get distracted. I accepted a few of those invitations for bigger things, but only when it was clear that God was calling me to them. I started volunteering a bit with a national youth ministry company in a behind-the-scenes kind of capacity, not getting paid or recognized for it. Then suddenly I started getting opportunities to serve with some of my heroes, people who wrote the books that formed my ministry, people whose seminars I attended at conventions. They started knowing me by name and giving me the affirmation I wanted so badly and thought I deserved years before. Once one of them literally gave me a trophy for something I did. It was kind of a joke trophy, but still. And the temptation was still there to get distracted by that approval and recognition. But I know better. I know I need to stay in the school of unselfish faithfulness. And that means serving the students God has given me to serve. That means investing in my volunteer leaders and in those who are in leadership over me. That means prayerfully and consistently reaching out to the difficult students again and again. That means I don't complain and make snarky comments about like this armpit of a town or or whatever negative things I think about. The place where Jesus has literally placed me to work alongside him, building his kingdom in Missouri dirt. That means I see impoverished, addicted, behaviorally tough students as well as entitled, jaded, manipulative students, as sacred creations of God, people Jesus died to save and calls me to love in his name. The school of unselfish faithfulness teaches me to keep giving my best work every week. I do this because some students will only come one week. I do this because even if it seems like I'm wasting my breath, I never know when someone is listening and being transformed by the word. I do this because even on a week when half the crowd doesn't show up, I have one precious 90-minute time slot of the week to invite these students to turn their eyes upon Jesus. And being faithful means I'm called to be as creative and diligent as I can be. Faithfulness doesn't mean taking the greatest story in the universe and making it boring and stodgy. Sometimes I tell stories in ways the students have never heard before. Sometimes I rig up some black lights and glow tape and pump some fat beats or whatever. Sometimes I play a big messy game or let somebody dump a gross blender smoothie on my head. But it's not about the show or the hype. It's all in the service of fulfilling the Great Commission in the little slice of earth where Jesus has called me. 
It's in the service of walking alongside Jesus and inviting my students to come along and follow him too. Being faithful to your calling to serve Jesus, serve your family, and serve your students is more important than getting approval and affirmation. It's more important than being impressive. I'll say that again. Being faithful is better than being impressive. Being faithful is better than being impressive. Unselfish faithfulness. That is the heart of all this. As Jim said, trying to be impressive is a cancer to your ministry and can poison your soul. So try not to build your ministry into something that it's not. Instead, invest in those God has placed around you and preach the gospel to those far from God. And when trying to give it your best, make sure it's not about the hype, but about the service. This brings me to the last thing I want to share with you. Knowing that giving it your best can seem like an invitation to get caught up in all the details of making things glorious from a programming end. But it's not. I want to say to you, that's not actually your best. Your best is to be leading your ministry in a God-honoring way for a long time. Not to be a big show that can't maintain momentum, like we said earlier. Your best is doing consistent work for God for a few decades, rather than a flash in the pan in a long line of youth workers that each only last a few years. And when it comes to the things that could get you mixed up in hype, like social media posts, t-shirts, whatever fun stuff you're planning, take this piece of advice. When doing your creating, know that you can be in one of three camps. Crap, consistent, or content creator. Let me explain those two extremes. Crap, we're talking janky pixelated JPEGs and papyrus or comic sans for the text, okay? And the content creator, that's the being overly branded and using carefully curated elements. You need to find a place between clip art and the professional quality marketing. Honestly, most of what you do will probably exceed kids' expectations and their attention spans anyway, but keep it in the middle. Don't be tempted to fall in either extreme. Because that either makes you look unappealing or ends up wasting a lot of your time because you put too much into something that wasn't necessary. The most important thing to be is consistent. Make sure that you have the right info. Your stuff is free of spelling errors, youth pastors, and it's regularly put out there. I'll say that again. Correct info correct grammar and spelling, and consistently put out there. If you've got that, and it doesn't look like something your Aunt Karen shared on Facebook, then I wouldn't really spend too much time on the perfect fonts and colors. If you can follow this, and all the other advice given in this episode, I believe that you can keep the most important thing in front of you which is reaching the kids in your community for Christ. 
And my prayer is that you can do that for a long time to come. That's what this entire project has been about. And I hope it will help you accomplish that, listeners. We want to remind you that you're a very special, God-selected member of the priesthood assigned to bringing the gospel to a very specific mission field. You matter. These kids matter. What you do matters. Even though the podcast is over, the mission of it still remains to help encourage and equip rural and small church youth workers. We'll continue to operate the social media accounts and email to not only provide you with additional content every now and then, but also be there in anything you have questions about or need support in. So please don't hesitate to message us. Lastly, our social media will also be an excellent place for you to check out what next thing I'm working on, which is a book. It's been something that I've been developing for years before this podcast even, and this last episode really has a lot to do with it, and so I've slowly been preparing to tell you all about it. The time is come to say it's a book called The Games Pastors Play, or at least that's the working title, and it's all about the prideful distractions that come up and if left unchecked, can kill your ministry. I'm happy to say that the first chapter is now posted for free for you to check out. Just go to our Linktree page and download the PDF. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And with any luck, we hope to have a full ebook available to you by the end of 2022. Until then, please continue to share the podcast with others who benefit from it. Rate and review so more people can know about it and stay in touch. And one last time from the bottom of my heart, thanks. God bless.